Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSB Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to Twins Talk It Up. This is Danny Brown and joined with David Brown today and we have a special guest. We have a guest that I've met through social media platforms. He has been a sales leader through and through. We have known each other for about a year and a half now. And every time I go to LinkedIn or any type of social media post, when it comes to sales, consulting, or running your practice, uh, Jake's name is the first name that comes up. So today we're joined by Jake Dunlap. He's the CEO of Scale Consulting. Scale helps sales and marketing professionals, as well as organizations scale more efficiently using technology and consulting. Before building Scale, Jake held several roles, VP of sales at No Weight, which has been acquired by Yelp, head of sales and customer success at Chartbeat, and was the first VP of sales at Glassdoor. Jake has worked with and advised over a thousand companies and organizations over his career. And today, today, despite what is taking place here in Texas with the winter storm and everything else, today he has graciously given us his time. Welcome to the show, Jake. What's going on, guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, Jake, this is David, and just so our audience knows from time to time, we'll try to make sure they know who's speaking and who's asking their questions, but Jake, we're thrilled and honored to have you. I want to ask you, what led to you moving your company from New York to Austin? Now, I know my twin brother's in Austin. He loves Texas, but tell us what led to that move, and then if you can, can you share a little bit about your leadership journey and Perhaps with our listeners, in your own words, what scaled consulting is all about? Yeah, man, I might, I might, I might flip it. Maybe I'll start. I'll start with, uh, I'll start with, uh, with the, the top. And you did, you did a pretty good job, though. So we, we are a sales consulting and strategy company. Um, I started the company eight years ago. Now we've got about thirty-five people all over the world. Um, we've just just hired our first folks in the UK. We've got a first full-time person in Toronto. And usually, you know, what we're doing, man, is we're helping organizations that are trying to optimize a part of their sales organization. It could be top of funnel. It could be their sales process. And, and they're looking for a more modern way to do it. You know, they don't want an out-of-the-box methodology that was developed 25 years ago. They want the company that really is going to develop something that's custom for them, um, but also understands best practices across, you know, quite a big uh, stretch of industries. So, you know, like you said, we've worked with thousands of companies now. We've seen really every flavor of every you know, sales process, sales technology. We also do a lot of tech work. I really believe that building a modern, modern sales org, you've got to be thinking about tech. You know, sales technology is a massive part of how you're going to scale today. So, so uh, prior to that, um, you know, and I'll kind of like, I'll walk through, through some of the moves. So about two and a half years ago, as the company was growing, you know, we started to look at, you know, look, we're, we're funded by uh, this, uh, an investor by the name of Jake Dunlap, okay, and profits, right? It's this novel idea about how you run a business based on profits, as opposed to uh, venture capital money. So <laughs> whatever you're, whatever you're headquartered in Manhattan, um, versus being headquartered in Austin, it's a pretty um, significant financial um, 
difference. And, you know, my wife and I had both been here a few times. We just had our second child or daughter at the time. And we're just like, hey, you know what? Like, where would we, you know, where would be a good place to go and try out? So we moved down to Austin. We rented for about, you know, what, a year or so? We're like, well, we'll give it a shot. And uh, we love it now. I mean, not necessarily now where it's, you know, 18 degrees and everyone's pipes are frozen and nobody has power. But uh, the other, you know, 300 days a year, it's pretty amazing. That's awesome. This is Danny. And uh, similar to you, Jake, we made the move. We're transplanted as well to Austin, Texas. Actually, my wife is from Austin, uh, from Dallas, and she went to school at UT. So uh, when I was oh, cool. global, she, um, um, she had made the decision, made her, made her stance. We're moving to Texas, whether I liked it or not. Um, <laughs> at, at the time, I was leading uh, global sales for a global company. And then uh, after that, I was leading uh, channel sales for a company out of Canada. I was leading the global uh, channel practice. And that's when you and I first met. I, we were looking at uh, you maybe assisting us in our organization. With, we had a new sales yeah. we were putting together. So I don't know if you recall, that's when we first met. Um, but yeah. that was her thoughts. It's like, look, you lead global sales, you can live anywhere. So we're moving to Austin. I just bought some land. We're building a house. So uh, you can move with me or I can bu- build the house and live by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind that's of awesome, man. <laughs> so um, that's one thing that you do very well. You, not only have you scaled organizations, you've scaled your company. And one of the key things that I thought was very interesting and unique is that you use technology, you use theory, you use the methodology, you think about the organization, their characteristics, how they work and how they look and how the team work together. And you put together a good program to help scale that business. Whereas a lot of organizations still go with practices of 20, 30 years ago, as you, as you stated. And, and they want to know why they can't keep up with the competitors. Um, one of the things that I thought it was interesting is that you don't just pick one type of organization to work with. You guys actually work with organizations of all sizes, whether it be a small startup, large organization, established firms. You actually have a methodology that can work with any organization, any size. How, how do you guys do that? Do you, how do you scale from a small startup or working with a large global corporation? How do you scale that practice? Because it's very unique to combine sales theory, technology, all into one? It's, it's a really good question. Um, and, I, and I'll go back. Uh, I'll answer that. And then I, I realize we can go back on kind of my career path too, which I think will be helpful for folks in our leadership uh, after that. So I'll tell you really for me in about the mid 2000s, I started the company in, in late 2012, early 2013. And, um, you know, sales technologies are pretty basic, you know, you, you know, maybe you had some lead tools, you know, you had, you know, Zoom Info and some of these other ones. There wasn't, you know, sales acceleration tools or any of the, that, that whole space. And about the mid-2000s, 2015, 2016, you know, especially as we were doing work around top of funnel, um, as we were doing work around, um, you know, optimizing people's outbound, we started to realize, like, my gosh, if you guys aren't using technology, like, you know, I can, I can out-efficiency you by two, 300% per person. And so when you think, you know, kind of really from then going forward, 2015, you know, we were one of the very first power users of outreach. Uh, you know, we had 25 seats of outreach in 2015, you know, and, and which was, you know, way before anybody whenever we were working with clients. So for us, um, I think we just realized, look, man, if you're going to do this stuff, you can't just keep throwing more bodies at the problem. That's the old school way of scaling sales is that you just throw more bodies at it. You hire, you put together a forecast and then, you know, everything's based off of, you know, headcount. Um, when in reality now, because of technology, you can, um, you know, you can create so much more effectiveness and efficiency gains per person. 
And then, you know, from, from working with mid-sized and, you know, everything from growth stage tech companies to, you know, big global multinational fortune 500s, look, the problems are, <laughs> the problems are always people and change mm-hmm. management related. They're just different scales, right? Like, most people want to get better. They want to have tighter processes. They just don't understand the why or, you know, some bigger organizations, you know, the, the teams, the, their, their operations or enablement team um, maybe hasn't been in the field and, and maybe, you know, needs more assistance in how to actually customize a plan to make sure it sticks. And so, you know, I really think of sales as it, it's just, whether it's a company that has 20 salespeople or 2000, the principles about how you get buy-in at the, you know, executive, managerial, frontline manager, and rep level are just more complex, but the issues are the same, right? Reps struggle to adopt change if it's not reinforced correctly. Managers won't um, help to reinforce new change initiatives if they don't feel like they're a part of the process. So I think what, what we do a really good job of, as opposed to other consulting companies, is is focusing on, you know, one, our expertise in sales, you know, so we're not McKinsey who, you know, is just a bunch of people who might've went to a right, the right school, but have no practitioner knowledge. Um, and we're also not other firms that are maybe more sales focused, but don't understand how to get leverage from technology. And so as I was building the company, I just realized that, you know, to do this the right way, you have to really understand both. You have to understand sales at a very intimate level and what that means, you know, with a, a small, medium and large organization. And then you have to understand the ways that you can, you know, at least underpin that with technology or at least utilize technology as a part of the solution. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. Do you hear what I hear? That's the sound of your tribe, your audience, your people. That's the sound of your nation. The people who love to hear the sound of your voice as you bring your special message to them in your very own podcast. How do you get it to them? Let us handle that. We're a podcast nation and we make sure they hear your voice. Podcast Nation is a full-service podcasting firm that does all of the hard work for you so that you can be the talent and get your message to your people. Just text PODCAST to 929-244-4323 and talk to one of our staff on how you can get started with your very own done-for-you podcast. Or go to podcastnation.com and get started today. That's P-O-D-K-A-S-T nation.com. Your people are waiting on you. Make them hear your voice. Podcast Nation. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. That's awesome. That is fantastic. I, I like how you, you bring that up. Uh, one of the things that I've been attracted to uh, when it comes to your organization, how you run things, by the way, this is Danny, is that uh, from time to time, I'll see your LinkedIn post or you'll send me a message directly on LinkedIn, which I appreciate. It makes me feel special that I get a direct <laughs> message from you rather than one of your employees. 
Um, but we had a <laughs> session back in June, talked about LinkedIn strategy and outbound. What does that mean? And then having it live, bringing in live sales reps. It was your 2020 part two uh, back to market strategy series that you put together. Yeah. So you're always giving away good content of great value. A lot of times people give you little snippets in here and there. You're actually giving away this full content, full value, making it live, which I appreciate you doing that because not many people do that. And because of that, it gives people uh, the reason to give you more credibility and say, you know, maybe I should give scale to an opportunity. Um, so just a, just a side note, besides that, the 2020, you did this during 2020, you did it during the pandemic, and you're still giving out content during pandemic today. How are that? How is it that some businesses are thriving and some businesses are not? Do you can do you attribute that to an effective sales and marketing strategy that people are taking place in 2020, or do you think it's just happened to be luck that some businesses are thriving despite COVID? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think look, some of this at this point is you know industry dependent as well too. You know that, that there are just certain industries that are doing well or not. But I'll tell you what I saw from before when things first started to go down. And I think even now the companies that are really thriving, even if you know, they're in a competitive space or industries that are doing well, um, is the speed at which they pivot. Mm -hmm. Meaning what, what the, the issue that I see in a lot of sales orgs is you know, how often do they optimize their outbound process every uh, you know, six months, 12 months? It's like you know, you're pumping thousands, tens of thousands or millions of data points through a system you know, you've got to have an always optimizing mentality. And so I think what happened is these, these, these rev ops orgs and sales ops orgs and SDR leaders were not used to optimizing in real time. And, and so what happened is they got thrown this curveball and they just weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for that level of uh, optimization or customization that needed to happen to adapt their product set. So that's really the big, you know, the big issue that I saw is that, you know, people just were caught flat footed. Whereas look at what marketing does, right? If you're, if you go to marketing, their performance marketing teams, you know, if they're optimizing social or, or Google ads, they're optimizing those daily. And, and why it's, it's a performance. It's based on data points. And so I think in sales, we've, we were slow. How, you know, how often do companies update their sales methodology to meet new buyer demands every five years, four years, right? And just think about how much sales has, has changed between 2010 to 2015 and 2015 to 2016. I mean, you're talking about massive leaps and changes in customer behaviors that we've never seen before. And so I think because the companies that are winning, you know, they don't hold on to the past. You know, they're focused on, hey, what is my buyer doing and what can I do to optimize the way that we get in front of them and sell to them? And so I think that's really where organizations are winning or losing right now is the organizations that are winning are the companies that, you know, they don't hold on to the past. They continue to look for, you know, what's going to work now today. Jake, this is David. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's so important to remember that the companies, the organizations that are truly pivoting and they're responding are able to position themselves for, for what I would call more success, or at least being able to navigate this challenge better than others. Um, the truth is leaders like to get married to their own ideas and they love their past. They love their reputation. And it's hard sometimes to be able to say, let's make this change. Let's make this shift. So when you're working with these organizations, Jake, and you're, you're really coaching these C-suite type A personalities, which we, we, we want to see them stay confident, but how do you help them shift their thinking? How do you help them to look at this challenging time as an opportunity to maybe move their company in a different position? Maybe it's operationally, maybe it's through communication. How do you help them through this time when so many of them want to just stay the course? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, well, I mean, like, look, for, for us to work, there's got to be some level of belief that there's an issue. You know, consulting isn't one of those products where you kind of create a pain to some right. extent. Um, and, you know, I think that, that more and more leaders are open to it now because they're seeing it firsthand. You can't deny that buyers are asking for more information up front. You can't deny that sites like G2 exist and people can go and compare your software to somebody else or other review sites. And so I feel like leaders right now are more open to it, obviously because of COVID. And I think that the other big trend that we, you know, we haven't hit on yet is digital selling and digital engagement, mm -hmm. which is, you know, how are you actually getting people excited on a Zoom call? You know, how are you getting people engaged? How are you getting buyers engaged in a Zoom call? And that is, that is the big frontier for 2021 and beyond is that, you know, my best guess is 50%. When, that 50, when, when the max that we'll ever go back to field reps and traveling is 50% mm. because we've trained buyers how to buy million dollar products and six figure products via Zoom. And so since that we've done that, that means that, you know, Susie, who's 55 in procurement, you know, she's now used Zoom enough times to where, you know, she can be proficient at it and she can make, you know, strategic decisions with, with a virtual meeting. So I think the digital selling skills for more experienced reps is, is that next frontier. And I think most leaders are aware like that there's a pretty big skill gap. That's true. You're absolutely right. As, as more and more people are working from home, working remotely, they're getting more adapted to technology. They have more access today than they ever have before. Uh, sales reps have more access and tools at their fingertips now than they ever have before. More insights on the buyer persona, what they like to do, they don't like to do. Uh, so for, for sales organizations to not adapt to that, they're definitely missing out. And, and having an organization that can come in and tell them that is key in order to make sure that they hit that growth. Um, so when we think about this health pandemic that's forced organizations to examine internally what's going on, to adjust their lead generation, their sales processes, uh, they give scaled computing a call, scaled consulting a call, and they say, look, we, we need help to understand the data. We need help to understand what's really going on internally within an organization. We think we're doing the right thing, uh, but, but we're just not seeing the growth that's taking place. So how, what are the first steps that you and your team take in order to help these organizations to be able to examine uh, what's happening with their lead generation process, their sales process, everything that's going on with sales today? Yeah, I think, I think look, I think another reason why people like working with us is, is our mindset from the beginning is, companies are probably already doing 60, 70, 80% of things right. Yeah. And that our job isn't to come out and fix these kind of fix a, an organization that they're doing a lot of things, right. And chances are they already have the answers. They're just buried, you know, in their top team's heads or, you know, in bad system setup or, you know, uh, managers that are in one pocket that are crushing it, that their best practices haven't been applied to other parts of the org. And really, you know, and I think that that's why we get the results that we do is that, you know, we try to build from what already exists and start mm -hmm. there as opposed to saying, look, we've got this methodology that's going to, you need to switch everything that you're doing. And that's just not, that's just not um, the world that we live in now. Like people, I mean, most companies have the answers. They just need an outside set of ears and eyes to help them to go and, and find it. So, so that's really where we come in. And I think that's what separates us is that, and, and I think actually the other thing I'll mention is that, you know, the other part is, you know, the old school consulting, like so many people hate consulting, um, is like companies come in, they charge you a bunch of money to tell you a bunch of shit that, that you already know, yep. right? And 
<clears throat> and people are like, you walk away with this binder. Because that's really what, what led me to start the company. I worked with consultants at Glassdoor and at Sharpie. Mm. And both times, I literally, I get this, this document that talks about international expansion and this and this. I'm like, I'm staring at this thing. I'm like, okay, like now what do I do? Like, how do I actually do any of this? <laughs> like, because the consult, the hard part isn't, it's just like in life, right? The hard part isn't being able to call out people's faults. It's being able to help them actually fix the problem. And so that's really where, where we differentiate is like, you know, we try to take their best practices so we don't start from scratch. We try to get through that intake process, you know, thoroughly, but also, you know, all of our engagements have an, a uh, components of follow through and tactical. Nice. You know, we have sales operations people internally. We have sales enablement people. So it's, it's, it's helping them to fix the problems, right? That's what people want, right? They want to fix the problems. They don't need, you know, someone else saying like, hey, you've got, you know, dirt on your face. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we got that part. Um, and so I think that those are kind of our two big, two big differentiators there is the fact that we try to build from what we have and that we, you know, really focus on the tactical execution. This is David, by the way, uh, Jake, I, I really love what you shared and it kind of makes me think back to why I started doing executive coaching, providing that for my clients. And you really can't help anybody if they don't want it. They have to be coachable. They have to be willing to see not just the data because you throw the data in their face. And, and I tell people all the time people won't lie to their own numbers, right? To their own data. All you got to do is show them their own data, but you can also show them the ability to help them because of the support you've given to other companies. Could you give an example or maybe without telling names uh, <laughs> to protect them, I guess, of uh, a company, an organization that you've been able to help through this health pandemic to really pivot and experience even greater success now? I mean, there's been a quite a few, man. I mean, honestly, it's been our retention. You know, one of the things that surprised me is, you know, Q2 was, you know, Q2 was a little rough, but our retention for last year and, and Q4 ended up being one of our top two quarters of all time. Awesome. Um, that again, most companies are in industries that are doing okay, like not great necessarily, but it's, did they pivot their value prop or not? I mean, we had a company that's in the, um, like they were in the physical event, um, like curation space. And so one of our, one of our, we, for a lot of growing companies, we'll almost serve as like an interim, you know, support operations, sales leadership, et cetera. And there's two or three different companies I think of off the top of my head that grew 500% over the course of nine to 10 months. Wow. And, and so much of it is, it, it, there's just efficiency gains that right. the companies have it, that it's just packaged. It's just packaged to where it's not easy to understand what they do and the teams aren't set up to where, um, you know, leaders can easily collaborate with their teams and, mm. you know, hold them accountable, but also help to coach them. And so there's multiple companies. We've got another company. So that company in particular grew 500%. There's another company we helped them to grow their average sales price by almost 300% during the pandemic too. Wow. And they're in the uh, finance and accounting uh, space, which again is like, you know, is that something people needed to worry about? Maybe, maybe not. So we had a lot of success stories during the pandemic um, and I think a lot of it was just coming down to, again, it's that companies, you know, they might have the best product, but the pro best product almost never wins. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that's, you know, a lot of founders when they're building their sales, you know, for the early stages, that's a big issue. Um, and then on the more, on the larger side, you know, we've got some other multinational companies that you know, are taking this time to, to build a competitive bench. And so they're deploying new stuff now, like they're deploying a new methodology or new sales competencies now at the beginning of the year. Um, and they use the time to kind of get, you know, that was maybe a little slower or business was like flat to really set them up for success in 2021, 2022. 
So yeah, I mean, the, the, from a client retention and growth, we never had a better year in the history of the company. And we're a consulting firm, right? Which is something you think people would, you know, cut. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's been what we've seen is that there's a lot of opportunity if you just know where to look. Wow. That's fantastic. I love it. And uh, this is Dave, by the way, I've got to ask uh, more of a follow through que- follow up question here, Jake. When you think about working with these executives, these leaders of organizations, and you're thinking about what can help them, consulting, coaching, showing the numbers, that's awesome. But let's talk about the average sales professional. You know, maybe gone is the days of the professional living out of a suitcase. But these guys are now virtually speaking. They're online. They're connecting with their clients virtually in a different way. And with my company, DSB Leadership Group, we focus on helping leaders become more effective communicators. How do you see soft skills such as public speaking, working on these areas, effective listening skills, supporting these professionals, both current and let's say post-health pandemic? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, if, it's, if it's that different. You know, I'd be curious, you know, what are you seeing with your clients? You know, like what have you seen, you know, what are what people are like changing or asking for? Well, I think for, from my perspective, a lot of different challenges have really been presented with the area of those who are extroverts, those who don't know how to move their body and their face uh, during a virtual meeting where they're face-to-face with someone, they're able to interact differently, they're able to read the body language. When they're presenting virtually, it's hard to be able to tell how people are reacting sometimes if they're not on the camera. And so that, that's been a little tougher. And I've had to work with certain clients on learning how to be energetic how to use their body in a different way, how to project their voice when they're on camera, smiling with their eyes, right. not just with their lips. And so for some of these sales guys, because they're not used to that, a, a lot of them have struggled. And so I get brought in sometimes to do communication workshops. So I'll get brought in from a virtual perspective, how to speak confidently so that what they're conveying virtually doesn't get lost versus when they're face-to-face. So I thought maybe that might be an area you would have Such covered with some of your yeah. training. Yeah, man, it, it really is. It's actually ironic you bring that up. I've got a session tomorrow. We've got five, over 500 people that have signed up for it already um, where we're talking about that exact, you know, detail. Because I touched on that a little bit before that I think 2021 is all about, you know, call it digital rapport building or digital relationship building. It, it's really interesting. I, I, I think I took for granted. So my, my sales history and background, when I was in college, I did telemarketing. Um, you know, I sold long distance. I sold vacation packages. Um, and then, you know, some of my, my first sales jobs, a lot of my first, you know, five, four or five years is, was inside sales. And so I think I had just developed a skill set. and you talked about it, that painting the picture, you know, I can close my eyes and like create a, a scene or a scenario in a world and not think tactically about the product, you know, as opposed to being like, okay, so John, let's imagine this, like you're at your home office, you're doing this and this, what's the first thing, you know, and like putting people in the story. That's something that I, yep. I had learned that skill. And it wasn't until recently, the last, you know, nine to 10 months, I'm like, oh, this is a skill that those guys don't have. Mm. Like for me, it's just like second nature and in the work that we do. But when I realized these field guys, they relied on being able to read that body language. Whereas I can hear, I can hear that slight intonation. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is interesting. And I'm like, not sold. Like that, what he just said right there means that he is like wavering on the decision, right? Or you hear like that, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, no, this is good. This is interesting. And I know deep down that that means like, um, like I've got my next meeting. I'm not really into it. <laughs> and, and these types of skills, these types of skills, I think if you didn't grow up with learning those skills, yeah. you're struggling right now. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And, yeah. and so, that, so we're doing a whole training on this. It's called seven ways. And probably by the time this drops, you can go to my page and you'll see a link for it, or, or you can watch it on demand on my YouTube. Um, but if you, um, the, the big things I'm talking about, because the other big issue is um, access to decision makers right now, that people are really struggling to multi-thread. You know, how do I get the, that CEO, that CRO, the CFO more engaged? And that's where tools like LinkedIn, LinkedIn Sales Navigator come in. That's where video comes in. So, so I just think as a, a seller, I literally just put a post up right before I hopped on about, um, you've got to treat every Zoom meeting and every follow-up like you did face-to-face. And if you show up prepared like you did in face-to-face, you show up with the energy that you show up with in face-to-face, you show up with a follow-through after a face-to-face meeting when you flew across the country, it's the same thing. Yep. You know, you just have to be more focused, you know, and in this training, and I'm getting ready to do one later today too for the team at Indeed, you know, the, the, the training that, that people don't have right now is around staying focused. Like we have more stuff coming at us than ever. And, you know, how many sales reps are on emails in the middle of a call, Right. Like how, how do you expect them to be focused and them to be bought in if you're sitting there and you're on email and you're half paying attention and you're on Slack? So right now to win, you know, it's those skills of really listening. It's showing up prepared, showing up like you did face-to-face, showing up like um, focused and in the game and not being distracted because, you know, we've got to now in sales, we've got to get people excited. You know, we've got to get them excited. We've got to get them to stay focused. So um, the job's just definitely gotten harder. Well, Jake, this is Dave again. I love that you are already ahead of this and you're putting together a workshop. You're training these professionals <laughs> with these skills. But it's interesting because Dan and I just recorded recently an episode with a uh, an owner, a founder of a company that specializes in AI technology, and they use it to help speakers or professionals become more effective communicators. And in this uh, recording, this, uh, she, she, she mentioned about how important it was to sound confident. And that people are more likely to buy from a sales professional if they sounded confident than from someone who sounded boring. And what they were finding with a lot of the virtual technology is that people become tone deaf and they'll, they'll be talking and trying to set up a deal or sell. And it sounds so boring. Their, their tone is never fluctuating. Their, their voice, their pace isn't the same versus someone who's super excited, super confident. They were getting the deals done. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's pretty fantastic. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Thank you for checking out the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're enjoying this program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash DSB Leadership Speaking. Also consider leaving a great rating on iTunes and comment on our other platforms. If you would like more information or would like to become a guest on a future episode, please send a message via our website www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. 
Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are definitely the same. But the thing is, like, look, that's that's always been the case, right? Right? People, you know, people want energy. You know, I talked to this about, you know, some sales organizations. I'm like, you know, when people are at that final moment and they're about to buy, people want to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be excited about it. You know, they want to hear things like, you know, uh, look, I'm really excited for this conversation. We're going to make sure that you get set up for success. You know, like I'm going to take care of you. You know, I feel like sometimes we just don't, we just don't take that into account, that, that ability to transfer excitement and energy and, and, and safety and trust and how important that is. Yeah, I agree. I, this is Danny, by the way. I love that. Um, it's a mindset thing, Jake. You're abs- it's a mindset thing. That's the way I look at it, as you stated. It's a mindset thing when you're behind a camera, uh, and just imagine it. Imagine what the, and I always tell people this, all my people that I coach, uh, is that you need to imagine how do you want the meeting to go? What, what is the thought process of how the meeting should be? What is the, everyone feeling? How, what is the mood? How do you like the meeting to close? And the fact that you told people that, hey, if you're behind a camera, you still need to be 100% enthusiastic as if you're meeting the person, physically meeting the person, shaking their hands and carry that same yep. enthusiasm, that same excitement. And a lot of people aren't doing that. We, we get to the point, as you said, they get distracted. They're having a video conference call. They're checking emails at the same time or they're looking at their phones. And so you can tell that they're just not interested and maybe they're interested, but you really can't get the full story behind it. And um, as we go a little bit further on, and I know that people are getting fatigued, right? And I know Dave wanted to ask this question. I wanted to ask this question. We were battling this the other day with one of our clients <laughs> that people are getting fatigued using Microsoft Teams, using Zoom, but yet mm-hmm. out power, calling from your phone, and you're still as excited as you are when I watch you on your YouTube channel or when you are not talking right. on your phone. You're still as ex- excited. How do you help people combat that virtual fatigue syndrome? Or, or what? I don't even know if there's a term for that. I'm actually more subdued. I'm actually at a friend's house because, you know, like a lot of folks in Austin, we lost power. So I'm not like screaming curse words or anything like that. Like I, I might normally be, um, you know, look, I, I, I don't remember where I heard this, um, but I definitely remember maybe it was a sales leader, a book, but there's something I learned very early in my sales career, which was it's somebody, every call you have is somebody's first experience with you and your company. And the, you know, if you're selling something that you really like or enjoy, um, it, it all makes this easier. I think, I think one, if part of the reason you're probably feeling fatigue is you might not even like what you're doing, right? You're like, you know what, man, like I'm selling this cloud security stuff and like, it's boring and I don't even really understand it, but I'm going through the motions because I can make a little bit of money. Um, so that would be one, you know, are you passionate about the buyers that you serve? You know, are you passionate about the customers that you sell into and getting to know their pains and their problems? And two is that analogy that I gave around, this is somebody else's first time experiencing you. And I think that just really stuck with me. Um, there's a book I read called how to make people like you in 90 seconds or less, um, that I read a long time ago, like maybe 14, 15 years ago, ironically, actually gave that book to a rep once and he got really offended like, it was like, are oh, you saying people don't like me? I'm like, dude, I read this book and I had some takeaways from it. Um, but, but anyway, it talks about these ideas of um, like mental triggers that we can kind of like change our, our state by, you know, like imagining something. And so me, I've got this kind of like mental visualization of a light switch. 
And so before I'm about to, especially if it's something where I'm, you know, maybe I'm tired or maybe, um, you know, it's been a long day or something, or maybe just a meeting that I've got to tune into, you know, I'm able to kind of like channel that, you know, the, Hey, this is somebody else's first time, um, you know, experiencing me or, you know, experiencing my company. And so I need to bring the energy in just like I would, if it was, you know, my first call, um, or I'd never talked about it before. And so I think if you're not passionate about what you do, and if you just don't have that mindset that you've got to bring the energy and heat every single time, then yeah, it's just not going to happen for you. I can't teach it. I guess I, that's mm. part of it. I, I can give you those, I can give you those techniques that I just told you. Right. And if you follow those techniques, then you'll do it. But I, I can't make you want to get out of bed and get fired up every day. That's on you. You know, and like I said, it, and it usually comes, yeah, it usually comes down to those things I just mentioned. It's like, you're, you're either in the wrong place for you and what you'd excite you, or you just, you know, we all have those moments where you're like, oh man, I, you know, man, I'm not feeling it. And it's like, are you one of those people who says, I'm not feeling it. And then you give yourself, you know, the excuse train to, or do you step up and deliver or, you know, look, cancel the meeting today, you know, a day, a day later where you are going to feel it. You can bring 100. So I think, you know, people have just got to, you know, be honest with themselves about why they're not feeling, why are they feeling so fatigued? Don't get me wrong, man. I'm, on an average week, I have between 40 and 60 Zoom calls a week, a week. Wow. Our team, our team, we just, our team just logged this. It was a trivia. We did a team trivia. It was actually a lot of fun last week. Um, and uh, our team, and again, we're not a big company. You know, we're 30 plus people. Uh, we logged over 1,030,000 Zoom minutes in the last 12 months, which is, you know, 2,135 days. So oh our team gosh. spent 2,135 days, you know, eight hour days um, on Zoom. And, you know, again, if you're into what you're talking about, if you're into it, it just, and the other thing too, man, is I'm one of the people who sees things like very black and white. And when things just are what they are, like, what's the alternative, you know, be like Mopey Larry or something, you know, like, no, like the alternative, like, this is all we got. We only got Zoom. So like, stop making excuses. Like it is what it is. You're not going face to face. You're not bringing donuts into Jan's office or whatever the hell you used to do. Right. Like this is all you've got. So are you either going to choose to get the skills or you're going to keep doing what you're doing? That's right. You know, it, it really is that binary at this point. Like you're choosing to put your head in the sand. If you, if you're not um, listening to what I'm telling you right now. I agree. This is Danny. And I, I love that aspect of it. The way I, the way I had mental imagine it for me mentally is that, I, I'm not traveling every day. I, I would be on a plane four days a week and travel all over the globe. I'm not doing any of that. To me, that's now my time to get back, to learn, to grow, to get excited about the fact that I got more hours to prospect, to have more hours to do learning, to research, to make myself better. I, I've looked at this as a positive thing for me. But one of the things I, I do know is that there are a lot of the sales and marketing people, I'm not sure if they're taking advantage of this. So how, how can more sales and marketing people leverage LinkedIn, other social media platforms to continue to enhance themselves, to learn more about their potential buyers, to learn more about the customers, or their clients? How can they leverage it more? Because to be honest with you, I don't think they're leveraging it enough. I just don't. Yeah, and part of that, you know, I've got a lot of love for LinkedIn is that I just think that the tools are evolving so quickly that, that they are, you know, what most people don't realize about LinkedIn is LinkedIn really has, you know, a, a difference in a normal social media platform, meaning they have two different audiences, right? Their, their, their biggest, you know, business is their recruitment business, right? 
And so a lot of us only see the social media side, right? The professional networking, not realizing that, you know, look, they've got multiple facets to their business. They've got sales navigator, they've got learning solutions, they've got HR technologies, plus they've got marketing. Um, and so I'll tell you, man, that the, to me, the best advice I can give you is just how to use sales navigator and what I'll do actually for your audience. I'm going to, I'll send you a link into where everyone can actually get a free 60 day trial of sales nav. So if they're not using it, they can check it out for free. Um, we've got a good relationship with that team and, and they hooked us up with that a few weeks ago. Um, but, but let me tell you what about sales navigator. A lot of people think of sales navigator as a way to just, you know, DM people. You can't DM with this in mail and that's not what it's about. Instead, a lot of what we're teaching companies how to do is let's say you have a big meeting. There's four or five people, you know, you can save all of your current prospects or your current sales funnel into a lead list called, you know, current prospects. And then within that, you can then on your homepage of sales nav, you can then do a filter by lead shares and lead um, in the news. So imagine every day you come in, you know, it's, you know, you pop it open. There's maybe only a handful of people that have shared and you go in and you like and comment. Like right now, if you look at most executives, they get zero comments and most of, and most of the likes they get and even some of the comments they get are from their employees. Mm. So if you really want to nurture relationships digitally, start to interact with the people when they put out content. You know, after a video, let's say, let's say you met with like, you know, two director level people and the VP didn't make it. Well, why not after that meeting, send a connect request to that VP and then do a direct message video recapping the meeting. Hey, John, I know you weren't able to make it. I had a really good conversation with Rachel and Randy. Here were some of the key talking points. Um, I included them here below in the video. I'm looking forward. Here's our next step. And I'm looking forward to us connecting in the next two to three weeks. Have a good one. How differentiated is that? And these are all things and tools that have existed for, for years. And again, it's just like, we've got to just up our game and our sophistication That's that awesome. with these tools, we've got to just understand how to leverage them. Um, but those are all things that anybody can do. Same thing as, you know, I was talking to somebody about this before in this, in this session I'm going to do later. You know, we also talk about the before the meeting, you know, most people, you know, let's say it's a big meeting. Are you do? Are you sending them any? You know, maybe maybe send them a clickable demo. Maybe send them a personalized video that says, "Hey, John, I'm looking toward our conversation on Monday." Um, you know, from other people I've worked with in cybersecurity, you know, usually they they appreciate these couple of documents. And here's like a share from a LinkedIn post and something else. You know, looking forward to the conversation. We'll catch up Monday. Like, get people excited to meet with you. There's so many different ways that you can use LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, other technologies to get people engaged in the process that right now we're just, you know, we're just kind of mailing it in. Yeah, this is David, by the way, Jake. I love that the great input, just a little touch, a personal message, a personal video message can go a long way to really connecting you with that prospect, with that C-suite member, with that decision maker. We talk about using tools in the right way. Dan and I recently just got on the clubhouse. What are your thoughts on Clubhouse and how do you think that can shape the sales professional and adding another, let's say, uh, arrow in the quiver there? Yeah, I love Clubhouse, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> for me, um, Clubhouse, yeah, Clubhouse is, is probably my favorite social media platform right now. I mean, LinkedIn's obviously up there, but um, you know, here's what I like about Clubhouse and what I don't, what I, what I don't get from LinkedIn is in LinkedIn, I'll do videos and I do LinkedIn lives, but still it's me talking at people. Mm. What I love about Clubhouse is that the way to win on Clubhouse is to talk with people and that the people that are winning aren't the people that always have the best ideas or the people who can facilitate the best conversations. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I'm noticing is, is the people that aren't translating from LinkedIn to, to Clubhouse are the people that are, I call them keyboard warriors. 
Like they only know how to write text posts in like a very certain format. And, you know, they can't think on their feet. You don't really know what it's like to talk to them or interact with them. If you heard them on a clubhouse, like they, they couldn't, you know, like hang in, a, in like a real conversation. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, like that's the sad part sometimes about LinkedIn is the people that can win or people that can just, it's really about writing skills. And so like, what if you're not a strong writer or what if you're a really strong writer, but that's not you, it's fake. And I think that there's so much of that on LinkedIn where it's like, I can sit here and act like I'm a professional and be like, look at them, blah, blah, blah. I heard this tip on this and people are like, wow, that dude's smart. And then I hear you on clubhouse or on a video. I'm like, this dude has no idea what he's talking about. Like absolutely no idea what he's talking about. And so, you know, clubhouse to me, I think is there's a real factor to it. Like you've got to, it doesn't, you don't record the data, you know, there's no repurposing it. So you're literally on that platform to provide value. Whereas with half these people on LinkedIn, they're just pre-scheduling posts on a Sunday, putting it out there and saying later, that's not real audience building. Um, so I, to me, I, I mean, again, I love LinkedIn and I post, you know, multiple times a day on LinkedIn, but that's where Clubhouse is. It allows me to interact with people, allows them to really get to know me, me even more, even though for me, I make it a real point to be the exact same person on every social media platform. You know, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Clubhouse, it's, you know, you can go check my profiles out. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not in our Twitter is the same thing. Like that, that always cracks me up the people on Twitter who are like, you know, super, you know, right or left wing or something. And then they get on LinkedIn and they're like super politically correct. And it's just like, <laughs> that's gotta be exhausting, you know, to try to be like, well, I've got my personal life and my professional life. Like, what? Like, and they're that different, you know, like, and I think that, that LinkedIn and this all social media, you know, we're kind of coming to this world where the more, more authentic people are, the more they win. And so, you know, for me, that's what, again, why, you know, I really enjoy Clubhouse is that it, it just scratches a lot of itches. I like interacting with people. I like mixing it up in real time. And I think it's, there's going to be some really awesome B2B implications for it. I don't know when, you know, still kind of early, but, you know, it, so far, I think it's a pretty, you know, really interesting platform. That's awesome. This is uh, Danny, by the way. I, I, I love your take on that. And you're absolutely correct. I, I'd like the... Um, Gary Vee analogy, right? Anytime there's a new social media platform or some type of new tool out there, he's the first to jump on it. Um, That's right, man. Anyone else. And then the fact that you're on Clubhouse now, it gives you access to a lot of key individuals sooner before they get crowded, if that makes sense. So <laughs> great opportunity to jump on it now, learn the platform if you can. Uh, I like your take on that. Very good insight, Jake. Uh, I want to ask this uh, question real quick. I think that um, you've seen it, you've been around it you just gave a great analogy about people's social life versus business life. Uh, what else surprises you about sales and marketing professionals today? Well, I think on the pot, I mean, I'll tell you some of the positive trends, you know, um, some of the things I think are really exciting about sales and marketing trends that the, the era that I think we're getting ready to get into, um, I'll probably start talking a lot more about this, like in the spring is, um, is empowerment. And what I mean by that is that if you think about the com- company marketing, okay, let's say in B2B, B2C is different. Business to business sales versus business to consumer. It's B2B is always, you've got a corporate voice, right? And there's a brand and they talk and, you know, every message that comes from someone is controlled and marketing is crafted. Um, I think that the companies that are going to win going forward are the companies that learn how to democratize their employees' voice. Mm-hmm. You know, as a CEO, I, my voice is always going to be louder than my company pages and go out and look, I mean, go look at like an average, you know, even a big company, you know, go look at an average. I mean, I'll just, I, I use this SAP analogy a lot, but 
go to one of SAP's corporate page posts and then go find a sales rep who works at SAP who's, you know, paying attention on LinkedIn, she will get more traction than the company page. That's one individual employee at a company with, you know, 10,000 salespeople. So imagine like some crazy stats about SAP. Just think about this. SAP posts 40 times a month, basically on LinkedIn. SAP employees post 15,000. What if you empowered your people, you democratize yes. marketing and you yes. let them put it out and you didn't tell them to just be share SAP, share SAP. You instead taught them how to like talk to their buyer and talk about pains and talk about issues and not have to just send links 24 seven. So I think that the future of B2B marketing is going to be the exact same thing that we saw in B2C, right? B2C used to be about what you bought TV ads and you bought these, these other spots. Now, what is it? Influencer marketing, right? Everything that's B2C comes to B2B. And so, I think the companies that can win in 2021 and beyond are the companies that think that B2C mindset. How can I empower Gong? Gong, by the way, is the best example of a company doing this right now. You know, they're not jealous of their employees that are out there crushing it on social media. They're empowering them. And if they leave and go into their job, great, cool. You know, they elevated them. Um, but Gong, to me, is I think the first company I've seen that's figured this out. You know, if you go to their LinkedIn page, they also have a voice and a tone. You know, it's different than your typical um, you know, here's our latest white paper and ebook, you know, like it's like, sometimes it's funny. And sometimes it's like, they share a lot of data. I love it. This is data, <laughs> by the way, Jake, uh, it, yeah. it's really encouraging to be able to hear that there's some excitement with empowering your sales professionals. It's changing the dynamics of the organization where the culture feels like everybody is involved. We all have a play in helping to drive the success of this organization. Now that's really what it needs to be. It, and it's got to go away from this personality of me, 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 my ego walking the room to we can make this the type of organization that will thrive and, and really shift through this health pandemic and the changes in the next few years. But let me ask this, because you've gone through so many different uh, challenges, you've gone through different companies, and you've always been excited about pushing that edge with technology, pushing that edge with driving how you should look at yourself as a sales professional. But let's talk about you and your journey. What have you learned the most about Jake Dunlap? What have you seen about yourself? Maybe you're, you're, you could talk about your greatest aspect of growth, or maybe you saw this area that you were lacking in. But well, let's talk about Jake Dunlap. What have you seen about yourself in terms of your own growth in this journey? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So, I mean, you've already called out some of the things that have stayed consistent, right? Which is the ability, you know, to, to get passionate and get excited about, you know, various topics and various, you know, things that I'm involved with. And, and I think I've always been able to do that. You know, I think that that's been a superpower of mine is the ability to find things that excite me in, in almost every situation and, and look for the opportunity versus the, um, you know, I, I've got this visual. I, I don't know if I've ever really talked about this. <laughs> it's, I, it might sound crazy. So I have this visual in my head and I probably reference it multiple times a day. And this visual to me is like a big castle wall, like not quite like game of, like almost like a game of Thrones, like North type wall. Right. Like, um, and to me, what I'm able to do is I'm able to take three steps back and realize, okay, if I actually look down there, there's actually a door down there. Oh, there's a rope ladder. Oh, there's actually a set of steps. If you walk down that way, Oh, I could just try to like, that, that wall looks weak. I could just run through it that I just don't see problems, man. Mm. I just, I do not see problems. Like the average person sees problems. <laughs> I have realized now at this point in my career that the answer, like almost every question you have as an individual, almost every question, someone has already solved that shit. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. called Google YouTube. 
Google YouTube. I, every new grad, I said, the number one class you didn't use in let co- you didn't learn in college was called Google YouTube. Yeah. And before you bring right. anything to anybody, Google YouTube. You know, I told my kids in kindergarten, I'm like, if, if they teach my kid the Dewey Decimal System, if they teach him like, <laughs> like this stuff that they taught me, I'm like, I want them to teach my kid. I mean, I want my kid to be smart too, but I also want to know how to find information. Yep. And so that ability to find information, look for the, the problem sets, look for innovative solutions, that's something that's always been very core to me and something that I've been you know, good at uh, consistently throughout my career. Um, you know, weaknesses on the other side, and trust me, there's plenty. I think, you know, with passion sometimes comes, um, you know, like intensity. And I think sometimes the intensity can come across as, uh, you know, aggression, where it's like, oh, man, Jake's pissed. It's like, no, I'm not pissed. I'm just like really fired up about this thing. And I'm not upset or angry. And so I think that that's probably the thing in my career that's, that's helped me and, and hindered me the most sometimes is just is people, you know, people sometimes like, man, like, man, Jake's like really upset or something. It's like, no, like he's not upset. He's just, you know, he's just giving you his opinion. Like if you tell him a different opinion, he's going to change his opinion immediately. He'll go with whatever you want. Um, but I think that that's it. That's the thing I've had to learn in my career is that I can't rely on other people to match or to adjust their temperament to mine, I've got to do a better job adjusting to them. And so I think what that's done for me as a professional has made me, especially in meeting scenarios, and I'm still not great at it, just it, it's, it's made me more, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like, like smart about how I interact in meetings. And sometimes maybe like I have a point, I'll just, I'll just eat it. Um, or, you know, if I have, you know, something that I want to talk about, but I feel like it might be misconstrued, then I might just eat it. Jake, this is David. I no. want to tell you, I'm I'm so excited to be able to spend some time with you. Thank you for inviting my identical twin brother and I into your world. What a pleasure. And I want to say this. I love your energy. I love your graciousness, how willing you are to give, like Dan said earlier, even just in our conversation today, say, Dave, I'll give your listeners the ability to get access to uh, a LinkedIn um, uh, navigator. And, and so to me, that's pretty inspiring. So what I want to say, Jake, overall, is it's been a pleasure speaking with you. It's, it's definitely amazing to be able to spend some time with the CEO of Scale Consulting, that we're all going to take the challenge to scale our own performance, that we're going to take it up a notch. We're going to learn to use the tools to our advantage, to advance ourselves professionally and personally. And uh, I, I hope, Jake, that Dan and I are able to get you back onto our podcast. We want to join you on some of the things that you're doing to help support your platform, but we're honored to have you on our show today. I appreciate you both, man. Yeah, this is a fun talk. Um, definitely, we talked about a few different topics. And I'm happy to help out. Um, and yeah, man, let's do it again soon. We will certainly do that. And we're going to include all of the links here for our listeners so they can find you, so they can stay in touch with you. And Dan, and I are going to make sure we join you on Clubhouse as well. <laughs> so we want to thank you for that. And for all of our listeners out there today, take advantage of the things that Jake shared today. Take advantage by following him on the social media platforms on LinkedIn. And also stay in tune with us and what we're doing, because we're going to continue to share some of the things that Jake's doing as well. We're definitely inspired by you, inspired by the way that you continue to push the envelope, to push that edge. And we're going to keep up with you as well. So thank you, Jake, for joining the Twins Talking About Podcast. And we'll look forward to hearing more about your journey down the road here. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Take care, everybody. We'll see you on the next Twins Talking Up podcast. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talking Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com. 
to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.